Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. Our scripture for the day, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. This morning, everybody, we're starting a new series and we're talking about fasting and a feasting. Fasting and feasting, we're uh, kicking in on this new series looking at these biblical practices, and I'm excited because it's going to be a a really good series in preparation for the Easter season, Uh, these four weeks leading up to Easter, and getting us dialed in on the heart behind these two ancient practices. How do we honor God with not eating, and how do we honor God with eating? And uh, I think it's going to be a good good challenge for us, a good learning experience for us. Uh, The Old Testament prophet Zechariah challenged the people of God a long time ago, uh, generations and generations ago. But this is what he said on these two topics. He said, when you fasted, this is Zechariah 7, 5 through 6, when you fasted and mourned in the summer and in early autumn, was it really for me that you were fasting? This is Zechariah speaking on behalf of God. And even now in your holy festivals, aren't you eating and drinking just to please yourselves? When you fasted and mourned, were you really fasting? For me, I think the heart of God is that we would honor him in all things. But it's so easy in our human tendency to take things that are biblical practices, spiritual disciplines, spiritual rhythms. We take them and uh, we miss the mark or we do it for another reason or we do it for the wrong reasons. And Zechariah's words kind of break through my own heart as I'm reading this and thinking about this series is, you know, whether we're eating or not eating, Let's find ways that we can honor God together. And we're going to explore these purposes and these meanings, and I, I'm, I'm excited because I think it's not just for this Easter season, but I think something that we can adopt and, and practice beyond uh, Easter as well. So today we're going to talk about fasting. The next two weeks are fi- uh, fasting, and then the final two weeks of this four-week series are about feasting. So we'll see which one more people attend and, and listen to and watch. Uh, do you want to not eat or do you want to eat? Depends on... Uh, how your weekend went, I guess. So uh, the practice of fasting is one that I, I want to encourage us not to skip. If you look at the modern church, I would say this is one of those spiritual disciplines that we tend to skip in the modern church, 
right? Just like at the gym, you don't wanna skip leg day. You ever go to the gym and see some guys that are just like ripped out of their minds, but it's all from the waist up, right? Why? Because the biceps and the triceps and the, and the arms and all of this, the back, those are the sexy muscles. Those are the ones that look good, right, when you're lifting. Nobody likes to do the leg press. It's just, that's a machine that gets a lot of dust at Planet Fitness, right? A lot of the leg machines and things like that. You don't see the guys like, yeah, let's go, leg day. So they end up with these chicken legs. They just have these little, <laughs> little tiny skinny little legs, but these just giant biceps and curls and things. And I, it, it's kind of this running joke within you know, gym people and people that work out is like, don't skip leg day. Well, as your pastor, as we look at this spiritual practice, I would say, don't skip fasting. And there's lots of reasons that we may or may not fast. There's lots of reasons that we would avoid this type of practice, right? Some of us, well, it's too difficult. I don't want to give up food. I, I like to eat, right? Some of it's an unknown practice. I don't know anything about fasting. In fact, I don't know this word that you're talking about. Or it seems fanatical to others and legalistic or uber spiritual or it's unfamiliar or it's, you know, whatever it would be somewhere on the spectrum. We've got a bunch of different reasons. And, and during this series, I want to kind of open our eyes to this idea of fasting because I don't want us to miss a genuine opportunity for discipleship, that we would be balanced and complete in our growth and maturation as a disciple, that we wouldn't just be working on worship and prayer in certain muscle groups of our spiritual muscles, but we would have a complete health and development of our muscle groups, right? Don't just worship and pray, but Develop this practice of fasting and, and watch what God's going to do as you, as you learn uh, to follow him in this practice. But let's just answer this question. What is fasting? What is fasting? So I want to talk for a moment just about what fasting is and what fasting isn't, all right? Fasting is not eating food for a certain amount of time. Days, a day, or hours, days, or sometimes even weeks. I've never done a week's fast. That would be uh, an adventure for some. But we're talking about a set period of time that we don't consume any food. And some people also include in that not drinking water. That would be a different type of fast as well. Fasting, though, is not, I want to be very clear about what, what we mean by fasting. It is, it is, not, um, it is not a diet. <laughs> we're not talking about intermittent fasting so we can get more shredded, Right? so I can get my abs to pop a little bit more, right? It's not some sort of a no-carbs diet that we're talking about. It is not something where we're replacing all of our solid foods for juices and protein shakes. Well, I didn't eat food, Sean. Yeah, you went to Jamba Juice, okay? That's, it's not fasting. That's, that's getting calories in other ways. No, we're talking about like completely, I'm, I'm not eating anything. I'm not consuming anything other than maybe some water or black coffee, Right? And then the purpose behind that, we're gonna explore some more. But fasting also is not just abstaining from something for a period of time and just avoiding it, right? Like, I'm gonna give up Netflix for Lent. Okay, great. But that fasting is more than just abstaining. Fasting is more than, you know, what some people, maybe you heard this cultural idea of dry January. I'm not gonna drink alcohol for all of January because I had a Tipsy Christmas, I guess. I don't know. Some people, they give that up, right? So for a period of time, they're not going to do something, not going to partake in something. Dry January, no alcohol, or I'm going to give up Netflix for Lent or something like that. But that's just abstaining from something. That's stopping something. Fasting is not just stopping something. It's not just a diet. It's not just starving yourself. It is 
giving something up and then replacing it with a quality time in pursuit of Jesus. You'll often see in scripture when people fasted, it also says fast and pray. They prayed and they fasted. Because they're giving up food, but in place of that food time, what are they doing? They're gonna go be with God. They're gonna go pray. They're gonna go on a prayer walk. They're gonna go worship. They're gonna go read scripture. They're gonna go dive into community in that way and just put their focus on Jesus. You see, sometimes we develop this idea of fasting and it's just, well, I didn't eat. Yeah, but you didn't think about Jesus too. You were just starving yourself. Yeah, well, I didn't eat solid foods. Well, it's more than just checking a box. This is a practice to help us be drawn closer to Jesus. That's the whole idea of this, is I don't know about you, I don't wanna go autopilot in my faith. I don't want anybody in our church to go in autopilot cruise control mode in their faith. And so fasting is something that's gonna disrupt and shake up our norms. It's gonna shake up our practices in a way where I think it's gonna cause us to, to radically change our focus on Jesus. So how can fasting help me seek Jesus? During this series, we're gonna look at two different ways that fasting helps us. One is fasting is gonna break us down, but fasting also is gonna build us up. Fasting breaks us down and it builds us up, right? It, it purges something in us, but then it also prepares us for something as well. It's this two, two multifaceted way in which fasting operates and functions within our life. And today we're gonna to talk about how fasting breaks us down. It chips away at something. And not just physically I'm hungry and oh, it's chipping away and breaking me down physically, but it's this idea that when I'm fasting, it is causing me to, to recognize things that I need to let go of in my life. It's breaking things down in my life spiritually and emotionally and relationally, tangibly, that I've been maybe holding on to for too long and I need to let go of. That's something that needs to be broken down. Something that maybe is impeding or obstructing my relationship with God. Something that is distracting my relationship with God. Things that I've been clinging to or looking to solace for. Things that I've been living with in hiding and in secrecy. It's gonna break me down in a way where I'm gonna begin to let go of these things and, and, and release them. Fasting is that practice of finally cleaning out your garage. How many of you have a garage or a closet? And you see this picture and it's giving you a little bit of huh because you know I have one of those at home. Huh? Come on now. Let's be honest. You're in church. Be honest. Right? We've all got closets. We've got drawers. We've got garages. And we know, we know, we know, we know we got to get to it. And we've left it for a long time. And I, I, we know we've got to do goodwill runs. We've got to throw out the trash. We've got to purge. We've got to get rid of some things. We've got to reorganize. Right? Fasting is the process in which we purge and we do some goodwill runs and we, we organize some things, but fasting is gonna do it not in a closet, but in our heart. It's gonna do some work within us to reorganize and to restructure, and that's the breaking down process that we're talking about today, is this, this process in which God wants to look at our cluttered lives sometimes and say, maybe there's some things in there that you think you need and you don't. The, the Hebrew word for fasting breaks down like this. It, it translates as denying yourself. Makes sense, right? We're denying ourselves food. But it also means to humble ourselves, to afflict, to bow down, to weaken. So to fast is to humble myself before the Lord. The prophet uh, uh, Ezra 
was giving instructions to the people of God back in his time, and this is what he said. He said, I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. You see, this is where fasting is so much more than just starving and abstaining. I'm giving up food. Great. But the process of fasting is to do what? Not to just weaken you physically, but to humble you spiritually and emotionally. To bring us to a point where we become more dependent upon God. To put us in this state where we need more of God to sustain and strengthen us. So Ezra, his time, calls his people. We need to fast. We need to humble ourselves before God, right? It's a, it's a display of this humility and this grief and oftentimes you saw, in, especially in the Old Testament, when they would fast, they didn't just fast and pray, but it was a time where fasting was often associated for them with a time of repentance, of mourning, of sorrow. So the people of God were often called to fast publicly or corporately, collectively, <clears throat> and often it came in response to, hey, people, we've been living in sin, we've been rejecting God, we've been doing our own thing, and we're going to disrupt or shake things up, and we're going to do so by fasting. You see this in this classic passage from Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 18. Moses has been up the hill. Everybody knows the story of Moses, the Ten Commandments, the people of Israel, right? Moses goes up the mountain, goes to be with God, comes down with the Ten Commandments, and what does he find? He finds a whole bunch of people not following God. What have they done? They've created this golden calf. They decided, hey, the God that got us out of Egypt, forget that. We're going to make a statue, and we're going to worship that God, right? Moses comes down. He freaks out. He breaks the tablets, has a little angry fit, right? But then this is what happens is Moses goes back up the mountain. It says, then as before, I threw myself down before the Lord for 40 days and nights. I ate no bread and drank no water because of the great sin you had committed by doing what the Lord hated, provoking him to anger. Moses himself is drawn into a, a personal fast in response to the sin of the people of Israel. They'd rejected God. And in response to that, what does it cause him to do? He, he goes up, and as a sign of repentance, as a sign of mourning and sorrow, he gives up food for 40 days and 40 nights. Fasting is often linked to this act of sorrow and remorse and repentance. Again, the Old Testament, we see Ezra do the same thing. He had called people in chapter 8 to, to fast and humble themselves before the Lord. And again, he goes into a personal time of fasting with a similar theme in chapter 10, verse 6. He, being Ezra, spent the night without eating or drinking anything, he was still in mourning because of the unfaithfulness of the returned exiles. You see, we often think of fasting as like the spiritual preparation and this really exciting thing, and okay, we're gonna stretch the spiritual muscle, and we forget that sometimes fasting is a response to, hey, we are broken people. We make mistakes. We follow a perfect God, but we are not perfect. And instead of celebrating and feasting and, and eating all these foods, and saying, God, you're perfect, and we're not. Isn't this great? Pass another pint, right? Instead of feasting in our sin, what are, they, what are they doing? They're fasting. That their heart would match the state in which they are in. My heart is broken that I would sin against the Lord. It is this 
prescriptive response, right? You go to the doctor, you get an antibiotic, antibiotic prescription, right? He writes your prescription, and they give it to you. Why? Because something is diseased and broken within you, and it needs an antidote, right? Well, oftentimes in the Old Testament, what you would see is these, these leaders, these, these pastoral figures of their time, they would call people to a fast. It was a prescriptive response to say, you know what? This might help us along the way. We're gonna repent of our sin. We're gonna acknowledge our brokenness, acknowledge the things we're living and hiding, and we're gonna fast. Now, to be very clear, does fasting forgive us of our sin? Come on, you can say it a little more confidently than that. No, fasting does not forgive us of our sin. Does fasting make us right with God? No. If I could cleanse myself of my sin and secure my ticket to heaven by fasting, I would not have the dad bod that I have, right? Because I would be fasting all the time because I would get right with God on my own terms. I wouldn't need Jesus. Jesus doesn't need to die if I could just fast my way to heaven. No, but fasting, here's the beauty of it. What I, what I learned about fasting and I'm learning about fasting is fasting is this correlation between our body and our spirit. My spirit feels remorse for the sin that I commit. My heart feels troubled that I would sin against the Lord, right? And I come into a prayerful response of, of repentance and say, God, forgive me of my sin. We do this, right? Oh, God, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my brokenness. Forgive me of my, my mistakes along the way. I'm sorry. And instead of going out the next moment and eating lunch and celebrating and eating more pizza and just carbo-loading, it's this idea of I am going to match where my heart is with where my body is, and I'm going to go through a, a time of fasting. And you see this repeatedly throughout the scriptures, not just with Moses and Ezra. I mean, just repeatedly, the people of God, in a response of mourning and sorrow and repentance, when they're going through difficult times or suffering loss, when David is, has committed sin with Bathsheba and then his son is sick and about to die, what does he do? He goes and he prays and he fasts. Once his son passes away, he's in mourning, but then he breaks his fast. Why? Because he is full of sorrow in that time, and he's contending for God to do something and heal, right? But it is this idea that we are multifaceted beings. You are not just a body, just as you are not just a soul. It is this fasting that bridges the fact that I am body, mind, heart, and soul. And I can worship Jesus in all those facets of my life. Some of us want to worship God just in song or worship God just in word. Fasting is going to engage our body in a way of worshiping Jesus, of feeling the ache of our sin, the ache of our remorse in that physical manner. But it's not always a prescriptive response. It's not always in response to, oh, I've done something wrong. But that breaking down process can also be preemptive because there's somebody else that fasted that we see in the New Testament. Todd read about him. His name is Jesus. When Jesus fasted, he wasn't fasting because he had sinned. It was more of a preemptive fast, a preemptive breaking down, right? This idea of not prescriptive, but preemptive. It was looking ahead and saying, man, I'm fully human. There's areas of my life that could lead me into sin. And that time of fasting actually brought those things to the surface. It was preemptive in this way. He was getting ready for his public ministry, and so he goes into the desert and he endures this time of fasting, 40 days. 
he goes into the desert and he fasts, right? Preemptively being exposed to the human weaknesses that his body had. In Matthew chapter four, verse two, it says Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights fasted and became very hungry. And we would read that and we'd say, of course he would, right? 40 days and 40 nights. I go four hours, I get hungry, right? 40 days and 40 nights. Now, we are not prescribing that for anybody in the room, just to be very clear when we're talking about this. Like, just because Jesus did it doesn't always mean that you and I have to step into those steps. If you feel called to a 40-day fast, come talk to me. Well, I'm gonna pray for you. But Jesus goes and he goes for 40 days and he 40 nights. And, and there's a line there that I don't want us to miss. He became very hungry. Some of us read this and we think of Jesus as being, he's Superman. He could do 40 days and 40 nights, no problem. And we forget that he is fully human. As much as he is fully God, he is fully human. And he is facing the physical hunger and the, the, the breakdown of his body and all of the things that would happen biologically as it would to you and I is happening to him. The hunger shows his humanity. And he puts himself in this state where he is more dependent upon God the Father and the Holy Spirit for strength in that season. And that's the beauty of fasting. It is this intentional time where I'm putting myself into a state of vulnerability. Right? Sometimes it's prescriptive. I am broken and I made mistakes and God, I'm sorry and I wanna match the state of my heart with the state of my body and I'm gonna fast. But this, this is more, I'm doing okay, but I'm preparing for something. And I'm gonna preemptively acknowledge the fact that I could be predisposed to make sinful choices. Amen, anybody in here predisposed to making bad choices? Yes, you all are, put your hands in the air. Right, we're all sinful people here. Jesus goes into the desert because he is fully human. And he's about to commence his ministry. And if he's fully human, that means he is predisposed to the same weaknesses that you and I would have. The same temptations that you and I would have. But fasting is this intentional time where it almost breaks down or, or takes down our defense shields. I've been watching Star Wars recently, right? And this idea of the defense shields come down and all of a sudden the enemy blasters can penetrate and break through and they cause damage, right? But those defense shields go up and sometimes we're just going through life and, and, and our shields are up and we're comfortable and we're easy going and everything's great, no problem and we're just immune and unaware of what's going on. Fasting though brings those defense shields down and all of a sudden we feel things in a little bit more vulnerable state. Pew! Feel that one. Jesus goes into the desert. His defense shields are a little bit more down, and he faces some temptation that I think you and I can relate to. <clears throat> In Matthew 3, uh, excuse me, Matthew 4, verses 3, we see that Jesus faces a temptation for pleasure. It says, During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Fill your stomach, right? Fill your stomach. Turn these stones into bread. Feel good, man. Take care of yourself. You do you. Verse six, the temptation for protection. If you are the son of God, jump off. The scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even be hurt. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Tempted to test God that he would be protected and safe and secure if God is faithful. Chapter four, verse eight and nine, we see that Jesus is tempted with power. 
Next, the devil took him to the highest peak and the highest mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Here's the power. Here's the influence. I think our core human desires wrestle with these same ideas of pleasure and protection and power. And fasting, taking time to abstain from food and pursue Jesus, we begin to recognize you and I were prone to the same weaknesses. As I fast, I ache for a sandwich, but at the same time, I will recognize that I ache for other things. I ache for sinful pleasure to take away and numb and find solace. I ache for a sandwich, but I'll ache for security and control and predictability and feeling safe. I ache for food, and while I'm aching for food, I will also recognize that I ache for power and validation and affirmation, influence from people, popularity. Fasting helps us to identify these things. One pastor I was listening to said, when he's fasting, he's able to recognize the things that he uses to self-soothe. We've got a lot of babies in our church, and we're teaching, right? You teach them at some point. They need to take care of themselves. They need to self-soothe. They need to calm themselves down. Well, we get going through life, and we get a little frantic, and what do we end up doing? We self-soothe, but we don't use a binky. What do we do? We run to pleasure, protection, and power. We run to things other than God to give us peace and cause us to calm down and not be so stressed. And when we're fasting, it's actually putting ourselves in a situation where we can begin to recognize those things. I can begin to acknowledge in full transparency and honesty with God, hey, as I'm aching for a sandwich, God, I recognize my desire and my ache to fill this void in my life with something else. This sinful tendency See, and it's not prescriptive. It's not something that I've already engaged in and done, but it's something where I'm looking at it ahead of time. Jesus hasn't sinned at this point. But what we see is that being fully human, he would, could, probably should have. But this time of fasting brings these things to the surface. He's able to acknowledge, no, I don't need those things. I don't have to engage in that full honesty and transparency with God, he's able to acknowledge those areas of weakness, to point out those blind spots that we find, to pray for strength, to pray for help. When we're fasting, we're gonna recognize our own weak spots and blind spots and issues that we need to acknowledge, and we need to be honest with God and say, God, help me with this. I'm human, I'm, I'm fallible, but I don't need to continue in this manner. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church, and I think it captures the essence of what we're talking about today, whether it be something prescriptive or something preemptive, but talking about these ideas of our, our breaking down of our lives and seeing our sinful nature and acknowledging our brokenness and things like that. Paul talked about it with the Philippian church in chapter 3, verses 18, and 19, 18 19, and 20. And his wording, I think, just, boom, it hits right where we're talking. He says, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. That's the part that just really grabbed me on this one. <clears throat> their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. It shows our tendency to make our stomach our God, to make our impulses and our desires the thing that lead our lives. Paul says, that's the way you used to be. That's the way our culture would lead. That's the way others are going to go. And then there's a huge but right in the middle of that, right? But our citizenship is in heaven. But we're going to do it differently. But fasting is going to help us strip away the vanity and selfishness and arrogance. Fasting is going to help us see our true identity as children of God. It's going to help me acknowledge that there's another way to lead my life to clothe myself in the characteristics of God, to take on the fruit of the Spirit rather than the fruit of my, my stomach, right? Allowing my gut to be my, my leading influence. Well, I'll tell you what, and sometimes people will ask, what's your gut tell you, right? They'll ask you, what, what's your gut tell you? And sometimes your gut's right. Sometimes your gut has a lot of things that you need to get rid of. Huh? That's a double on time. It works in multiple ways. There you go, Bobby. But fasting is a means for our discipleship, reminding me of my true citizenship in heaven, reminding me as a child of God and who my God is and who I am and following him. And that I am, we are children of God. That is what we follow. That is who we follow. When Jesus is in the desert fasting, he's acknowledging and understanding who he is and what he's made for, what his purpose and his mission is. And so when we fast, it's breaking us down and getting us down to those core things. It's chipping away at the things that don't need to be there anymore. And it reminds me of uh, this proverbial question, how do you construct an elephant out of a block of stone? How do you carve the statue of David out of a block of granite? And I don't know who truly said it. I tried to find the answer, right? But Michelangelo, I guess, gets the credit because he carved David. But it said, how do you carve an elephant out of a block of stone? You chip away everything that isn't an elephant. How do you carve Michelangelo out of the block of granite or whatever stone that is? You chip away everything that isn't David. Fasting chips away everything that isn't Jesus. It exposes the things in our lives that aren't of God helps us chip away and chip away and chip away so that at some point we can stand before the Lord and with confidence represent our true identity, our true citizenship, our true worksmanship and, and masterpiece that Ephesians says that you and I are. We are the masterpiece of God. I believe that that funny little anecdote makes sense to me. It's like when you and I, we are the masterpiece of God. Fasting is just a part of that chiseling and, and refining process. And so today, some of us might be in a season of mourning and sorrow or repentance. And fasting may be the thing that genuinely helps us engage our heart and our mind and our body. For others, it may be, you know what? Fasting is going to be the thing that helps shake things up for us right now. You've been in cruise control mode. You've been going... Or maybe you see a season of preparation coming. A new chapter is, is on the horizon, and you're just like, I don't, how do I get ready for that? 
that fasting may be the thing to preemptively get ready for it. Maybe a part of this process where God wants to do some discipleship and some, some refining, some sanctification within us, and rather than just go with the norm that you've been going with, maybe it's time to shake things up. As we look ahead to the Easter season, I don't want it to just be another Easter. Anybody just want another Easter? Or do you want to see people come to know Jesus? Boy, that was a quiet response to that question. Anybody in the room want to see more people come to know Jesus this Easter? I want to contend for this to be an Easter like none other. Better than when we rented out the outlets a few years ago. Better than when we had donut walls. Better than when we had a cool photo backdrop. Better than just packing it out and seeing a lot of people in the room. I want to see a move of God this Easter in the lives of our church and in the lives of our city. I want to know that heaven was impacted because of Easter weekend. And as we're looking at that season, can we prepare for it in a new way? Rather than just saying like, well, I guess I'll uh, sign up to volunteer and I'll buy some eggs and I'll find a new fancy Easter apparel. Can we prepare our hearts and our minds? Can we prepare our spirit as a church? And so on that card that Todd recommended with the, the discussion questions is a, a promotion for something that we're, we're gonna try this month. And that is an all church fast and feast. We're gonna, we're gonna try to do this. And part of me is taking a big risk here. And I, I threw this idea at one person and they were like, you might be fasting and feasting alone, Sean. To do it four weeks in a row, good luck. I said, well, bottom line, I'm going to fast and I'm going to seek Jesus. And if no one shows up, I'm going to lunch or going to dinner myself. Uh, and it's going to be great. But I don't think I'm going to be alone. Because I, I believe that there are, there are many of us that want to shake up our pursuit of Jesus in this season. There are times in Scripture where people were called to a, a corporate or collective fast. Multiple Scriptures that we see this where it wasn't just a personal thing. And there are times where fasting is a personal private matter. There's other times where it's a collection of people saying, we're gonna do this together. And I, it makes me think of what I said on Vision Sunday. And if you missed that, there was an element to it where I, I gave us a word for the year. Does anybody remember what I said was our word for the year? Brownie points, get them a Starbucks card, wherever they're at. Together, the word for the year is together. Hub City Church, we are trying to do things together. Meaning in unity and in heart and in spirit together. And as much as I believe you could go fast and feast on your own or in your own sphere of influence, and there's an element to that that's really good, I don't want to try for this period of time that we would do this collectively together. Knowing that on that Wednesday every month or every week this month, there are other people in your church feeling the same ache that you're feeling. And then to gather together on every Wednesday this month, for as many as you can, to come together and spend an hour in prayer. Praying for various things. Praying for our community, praying for the kingdom of God across the world globally and missions and all of that. Praying for ourselves uh, individually and what God is doing in our own discipleship journeys and lives, right? Just, we're going to spend some time in intentional prayer and seeking God. 
You're gonna do that throughout the day as well. When you, when you skip breakfast, it's meant to be like, hey, go worship or pray or read the Bible or do things like that or at lunchtime and things like that. Like that's the point of fasting, remember? It's not just starving yourself. You're replacing it with an intentional pursuit of God. But then we come together to fast and pray from six to seven and then breaking our fast together at seven o'clock with a potluck dinner and whatever people bring. And I'm nervous because I might gorge myself and need a few Rolades afterwards. But I'm excited to the idea of no matter who shows up, to being here and praying and contending for what God wants to do in this season of our church, for praying for what God wants to do in this season of his kingdom, and then breaking the fast together and sharing a meal with whoever shows up. I'm excited. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be here. And you're welcome to join me. And, and if you can't be here, there's not meant to be guilt. If you can't physically fast or medically, there's reasons that you can't do that. You know you, and you know that there are limitations to what you can do. I don't want you to focus on what you can't do, but focus on what you can do. So maybe you physically can't be in the room, or maybe you physically can't skip uh, all, all three meals in that day, or whatever it is. Focus on what you can do. And let's be united in heart. Let's be united in spirit. Let's be united as we challenge to pursue Jesus together in this way and preparing for what God wants to do in his church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray right now. Let's go. I'm going to welcome the worship team up, and we're going to worship. We're going to, we're going to pray, and I just want to contend for, for God to prepare his church in this season. Let's pray, church. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life. 